0: And look at the stars look at the moon look at the galaxies see the beauty of god just in the earth but in christ we can see more beauty because the beauty of god has extended from creation it has now entered redemption shall mention somebody so i'll come to that but look at this so elijah was telling job he says job consider god's wonders next is that all 14 okay he says consider god's wonders but in christ We don't only consider God's wonders. We consider Christ. We consider what God has done in Christ. What he has wrought in Christ when he died for us. Can you shout amen? Can you shout amen? Yes, that's better. So in Christ, we are the first love of God. God loves us with an everlasting love. Say God loves me with an everlasting love. Say it again. Say God loves me with an everlasting love. You know, the reason why I'm talking about this is that if you don't have revelation of the love of God, it will affect your relationships, it will affect your marriage, it will affect your life. How you perceive the love of God will affect every other area of your life. That's why it's important to have revelation of the love of God. Revelation for yourself. You know, sometimes just sit in your house and just ponder on the love of God for you. The love of God is better than wine. In fact, the love of God is better than life. It is better than life. When you consider his love, you will know that nothing in this world can separate you from the love that God has for you in Christ. Glory to God. Paul said, Can tribulations? He said, What is he Is it angels? Is it demons? He said, Is it sickness? What is it? Nothing can separate us from the love that God has given to us in Christ. And the law cannot love you. The Old Covenant cannot love you. Why? Because the, the, the Lord demands love. i you seen somebody demanding love. You, can, you, you can't demand love. Do you understand? You can't demand it. You can't manufacture. What you don't have inside, you can't give out. You see that? So you can't. So the Lord demands love. The Lord says, love the Lord your God with all your might, with all your soul, with all your power. How many of them love God? None of them. Because there was no love in them. That's why when you come into Christ, Bible says that God distributed his love in you. Put his love inside you by the power of the Holy Spirit. So he injected love in your spirit. Then now you can produce love. That's why in Christ, we come to receive his love. Are you seeing that? God is more interested in you receiving his love than you giving him love. Because you cannot give what you don't have. And God is the one that has love because he is love. Now he can give you his love. Shall they demand somebody? Shall they demand somebody? Ephesians chapter 3. You know, the Ephesian church, they left their first love. They were those who were loving God at the beginning. But at the point in their lives, they left their first love. Now look at what Paul was praying for the Ephesian church. In Ephesians chapter 3 from verse 14. It says, the Ephesian church, they had faith. They had deeds. You know, they had, they had all the works and everything, but they declared their love for Christ. They declared their love for Christ. They said, oh, we love Christ. We love God. I love God. They declared their love for Christ. But in all this, look at Paul's prayer. Ephesians chapter 4, chapter 3, okay. Chapter 3 from verse 14. Look at this now. It says, now look at Paul's prayer. It says, for this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Next. Follow this very carefully. He says, Of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Uh huh. That he will grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Powerful scripture. He says, Now, everybody read one to go. That Christ may dwell in your heart by what? By faith. That he, what being rooted and grounded in love, next, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the bread, length, Depth and height, 19. And to know the love of Christ. Everybody say love of Christ. Christ. Say it again. Say love love of Christ. Many people are concerned with their love for Christ than the love of Christ. Paul's prayer is that I want you to know the love of Christ. Which passes scientific knowledge. That he might be filled with all the fullness of God. Glory to his name forever. So when you have revelation of the love of Christ, he says, Paul says, that's my prayer. That you will know the lengths, the breadth, the height, the depth of the love of God. Because the love of God is what makes us what we are today. Without the love of God, in fact, there will be no planet earth anymore. <laughs> Praise God forevermore. That's why I said the love of God is better than life. It is better than life. It is better and better and better than life. If you ask people, what is your one big truth that you want everybody to know about you? You will hear many things. Some people will say, the one big truth in God is to serve God. Some will say is to obey God. Some will say is to do the things of God. Some will say, which are which that things again? Come on, give me some that you used to say. Or you, you, you don't know now. Tell me the things I used to say. You say, you know, is we have to give all ourselves to God. But the one big truth that the scripture wants you to know, Is the revelation of God. The revelation of his love. The revelation of his grace. That's the one big truth. Because until you have that revelation, many things will get confusing in your life. Many things will get confusing. When Satan attacks you, you think it's God. When things are not going in the way you want it to go, you think it's God. Forgetting that it's not God. That you have an evil personality. And that's why the Bible says no weapon. You see, God never promised you that you will never go through challenges in your life. Are you what I'm saying? God never promised you that. God never said no, in this life of Christ, it's all sweet, sweet, sweet. God never promised you that. God never said to you that in this life, nobody will attack you, nobody will disturb you, nobody will knock on your door. He never promised you that. What the scripture says is clear. It says no weapon formed against you shall prosper, whether it is internet weapon, media weapon, mouth, (laughs) village." village weapon mouth weapon gossip weapon no weapon formed against you shall prosper can I prophesy to you this morning I said no weapon formed against you shall prosper doesn't matter who is against you your family doesn't matter who is against you in your life no weapon fashioned designed manufactured against you shall prosper in the name of Jesus shall I remain somebody that's what the Bible says it says no weapon no weapon as we, that's why you see as a child of god we don't live in fear why should we be afraid when no weapon formed against me shall prosper so you tell the devil throw your best shots you can't get me because no weapon formed against me shall prosper this is a revelation there's are afraid say ah if i talk about my testimony now satan will attack so i better just keep it to myself you are deceiving yourself That's not the way in Christ. In Christ, we proclaim his goodness. We proclaim his grace. We don't keep quiet about it. We let the devil know that it doesn't matter how much you hate me. God loves me more than the devil hates me. Hallelujah, somebody. Yes. The hatred of Satan is not more powerful than the love of God. It is not more powerful. The love of God is more powerful than the hatred of Satan. How do I know this? You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that if Satan knew, he would have ensured that Jesus Christ did not die. You know, all the while, Satan thought he was helping God. All the while. So he frustrated, he tried to frustrate the ministry of Jesus. Forgetting that he was actually helping Jesus' ministry to go faster. Because without him dying, we will go to hell. With all his miracles, with all his teachings, with all his miracles and healings, will still go to hell. Because it is only by blood that sins can be forgiven. Are you following this? So the Bible says that if Satan had knew, he would have ensured that Jesus Christ did not die on the cross. So who do you think crucified Jesus? Who do you think was orchestrating everything? Satan. He is the one that possessed or that demonized Judas. He is the one that demonized Judas. Are you that? He's the one that demonized the Pharisees. Satan was all—he had stratagems James to ensure that he kills this man. In fact, from the day Jesus was born, he entered into Herod, whispered into him, "Kill everybody, kill everybody." He missed that one. See, this to this is to tell you that Satan does not know everything. Are you seeing that? Who would think that Satan, Satan doesn't know everything? Because if why didn't he know the house where Jesus was born? Why didn't he know? He didn't know. That's why he sent Herod to start killing everybody. Attacking. So they were, they, I mean they killed hundreds of babies, less than two years. And the angel said, it's time to leave, time to go. So Joseph and Mary packed their bags, check out of town, they don't missed that one. Jesus was born. They saw the stars. The shepherds came to look at Jesus in the manger, in a cow dung. Cal, you know cow dung right? Where they go down. That's where they came to meet Jesus. He was there. They saw all these things happening and guess what? he could not still kill him. One time they tried to stone Jesus to death. They tried to literally stone him to death. He disappeared from their midst. Satan tried many plans until this last one. But what Satan didn't know was that Jesus said that no man can lay down, can kill me, except the son of man laid down his life. So Jesus chose to die. That was why I was able to get him. Because if Jesus did not choose to die, nothing he would do. He would just keep missing and missing and missing and missing. Guess what? When he was arrested, what was the claim against Jesus? Nothing. Nothing. No crime. No crime. He didn't do any crime. But yet, when at, at the point, they say, you know what? I've washed my hand off this matter. This matter is not a crime matter. I'm not getting involved. He so said you put do as you want. Who so you now ask them Barnabas or Jesus? The sinner or the righteous? Let the righteous man die. Let the righteous man die. Jesus, kill him, kill him, kill him. Kill him! And the thief, the armed robber, release him! release him, release him. See human beings. The one that is good. He said, kill him. The one that is bad. Release that one. That's the heart of men. Human beings. That's that they are desperately wicked. Thank God our heart and mind has been changed by the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. Thank God. Because the heart of man is desperately wicked. You will see a guy smiling with you. Yeah, congratulations on this new appointment. Congratulations on this new appointment. I'm proud of you. I'm excited for you. That one has finished here. Eh? See here. Eh? Let's see how we how can kill this man. Let's kill him. Let's send him out of his office. He thinks, who, 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 who does he think he is? Let's deal with him. Then he starts to manufacture problems. Some of them now will start using diabolic means now and enter spirit train. That's why the child of God tell somebody to be on fire. Tell somebody to be on fire. So, people will come and put charm on your seats. Eh? If you're a child of God, full of the spirits, you will sit on that chair and it will paralyze it immediately. And they wonder, ah, why do they come and say, This thing you get, this is very very strong. Now they come and tell you, very strong. Because the power of God is far greater than the power of Satan. You've got to never forget it. Satan is no more powerful than the Holy Spirit. He is not. He's a joke. Well, you know, when it comes to God, he is doing ten things. You know ten, ten That's what Satan is doing with the power of God. Has Satan created anything before? I'm asking you. Nothing. So which power does he have? Which power does he have? He can't create sun. He can't create moon. He can't create sand. What can he create? <laughs> Hallelujah. So don't be intimidated. That's why, as a child of God, you've got to wear up the power of God. The Bible says, stir up the gift of God that is in you. You stir it up. You stir it up. Don't be a dormant Christian. Tell your neighbor, don't be a dormant Christian. I've heard of dormant accounts in the banks. Account that's not been used. Don't be a dormant Christian. Be an active one. Be an active one. Be an active one. And one of the fastest ways in doing that is what you already know. Bible says that we'll give ourselves to the mission of the word and prayer. It's as simple as that, nothing else. There's no gimmicks to this thing. Prayer and mission of the word. If you spend time in these things, I'm telling you, there's nothing in this world that can stop you from making progress and advancement in your life in Jesus' name. Shout amen, somebody. Amen. So, everybody say, I am loved. Amen. Number two, in Christ, we are forgiven. Say, I am forgiven. Say, I'm forgiven. You know, most of the time, when it comes to forgiveness, people ask questions like, am I really forgiving? Am I really forgiving? When I sin and I don't repent of my sin, am I still forgiving? Some people ask, some people say, well, what if I blackslide? Will God still forgive me? Because see, when it comes to forgiveness, forgiveness seems like a, like a blind spot. It's like something that is in the shades of gray, 50 shades of gray. So, it's this kind of thing that we cannot really understand very well. Not when it comes to Christ. In Christ, it is clear. Black and white, clear. Say, I am forgiven. forgiven. Come on, shout it. Say, I am forgiven. forgiven. John chapter, sorry, Matthew chapter 6, verse 15. Now, the problem is of some scriptures. Now, who wrote this verse? Talk to me now, Christians. Who wrote this verse? Matthew now. Who who is talking here now? Who knows? Jesus. Jesus. This is, a, this is a prayer on the Sermon on the Mount. Add more power to my mic. This is a prayer on the, on the Sermon on the Mount. Are, are you following? Now, everybody read One to Go. Hey, come on. There are more than 10 people here. Let's read with life. I want to go read. Uh-huh. So he say, yes, pastor. So according to this scripture, God is not going to forgive your sin until you forgive the sins of others. Is that correct? And Jesus is the one that taught this scripture. Remember, when Jesus walked on this earth, he did not walk in the new covenant. New covenant did not start in the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Are you following what I'm telling you? I know in your Bible they call it New Testament. But it's not really New Testament. Because... Not everything in the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is New Testament. Let me explain. There cannot be, the Bible says that there cannot be a New Testament without the death of the testator. For instance, your father has a will. And you went to the house tomorrow and said, daddy, let's read your will now. What are you telling your father? To go and die. So a father's will is only read when the man is dead. Are you following now? So, the Bible says, a New Testament cannot begin without the death of the testator. So, when the New Testament start? After Jesus died. Are you following? Yes, so, when Jesus came, Jesus said that I did not come to abolish the law. He said, I came to fulfill the law. So, Jesus taught the law. He taught the law the way it's supposed to be taught. Let me explain. Confidence come. This is what Jesus said about the law. You know? What did Moses say about slapping? When a neighbor slap you, huh? No. What did Jesus? What did Moses teach about somebody slap you? Come on, talk to me now. What did Moses teach about slapping? When somebody slaps you, what do you do? You, that was Moses thought, right? um no. Um, Who is slap a pastor now this morning? Where's Henry? Okay, In class, okay. Ruben, come. <laughs> 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 they think we are doing slapping movie this morning. Okay, now act, act it too. No re slap. Act it. Oh, yeah? Give me a slap. <laughs> Touch your face now. Nah. But let's know. <laughs> Give me a slap. Oh, yeah? As you return, return the slap. So, in the old covenant, this is what Moses taught. Are you following? But guess what? This was dilution of the real law. Hello? This is not the real law. The law that God gave not that you slap back. The law is that slap. Uh-huh. When they slap you, turn. The then they slap you again. So, in the law that Jesus came to teach, because Jesus said that you were taught, Moses said that when your neighbor slaps you, he says, Slap back. He says no. He says, But I say, because now the real owner of the law has come. Okay. Hallelujah. He said, I say. When they slap you, turn the other way, towers. You know, one time we start to say, Master. How many times should we forgive our neighbor? Now the owner of the law came to explain. How many times? 70 times per day. So if somebody offend you. Number one. Number two. Somebody somebody matched your leg. Number three. Forgive. Somebody broke your heart. Forgive. Somebody what again? Stole your money. Forgive. It has not reached 419 in a day. Let the person do the same. Imagine the same person doing it every day. Jesus said, keep forgiving, 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 and forgiving. This is the real law. This is the law. The law says forgive all the time. Are you following? Now, the law, you know, and the law also teaches that um, that um, Jesus said, some of you, you are talking about, this guy, see his suit. His suit is looking so rumpled. Terrible suit. Jesus said, why are you concerned about his suit? You, you don't even have suit. You don't even have suit. You are talking about his suit. The law says, mind your business. Don't be tricky eye into another person's matter. Are you following? So, in the real teaching of the law, Jesus came to expound the law because the Pharisees diluted the law. They diluted it so that they, they made the law keepable. But the law that God gave cannot be kept by any man because who can keep this law? Somebody slapped me. I told you I to slap back. They I told again, slap me. Not possible. You see? You slap me. <laughs> Nobody will keep it. So everybody will fail in that. Imagine somebody cooking him to your gate, banging your gate. ba ba. I just say, Don't worry, let him just continue. let him just continue. Baba. Jesus say, we should let him. Let him continue. You will come out and say, Are you mad? Why are you disturbing in the neighborhood like this? <laughs> and then after now that his children, the way you will deal with them that day, say, Never don't overcome near my gate again. Glory to God. So in the law. The law, Jesus came to uphold the law. He came to raise the real standard of the law. So when Jesus came, he taught the old covenant law. Now, this is the teaching of the law. God is not going to forgive your sin until you forgive others. So for instance, imagine this guy offended you. Are you following? This guy offended you. And then he's coming to God and say, oh God, you know I sinned against you. God will say, no, I can't forgive your sin. You know why? Because you have not forgiven the sin of this brother. So that means for God to forgive you, for God to favor you, for God to bless you, you cannot have unforgiveness in your heart. Are you seeing the problem? So, in, so this was the law that was being taught. So Jesus, he, he taught prayer even under the Old Covenant. Things like asking God for your daily bread. Those are Old Covenant prayers. So when you are praying, um, somebody call it the Lord's Prayer. It is not the Lord's prayer. The Lord's prayer is in John 17, not today's talk. The, this is not the Lord's prayer. I will explain why. This prayer, it was not Jesus that talked about the prayer by himself. Remember what happened in this scripture. The disciples asked Jesus. They says, teach us how to pray. Then Jesus gave them a template how to pray under the law. Because when Jesus was alive, he was still living under the law. Are you following what I'm teaching you this morning? Uh huh. So, in the old covenant, God's not going to forgive your sin until you forgive what? Other people's sin. Now, watch this now. Watch this now. Um, Let me see what I have here. Romans chapter 10, verse 4. Romans 10 4. Everybody read one to go. Uh huh. So Jesus Christ came to end the law. Hello? Are you following? Remember Jesus said I did not come to abolish the law. He said I came to what? Fulfill it. So when Jesus fulfilled the law, he abolished it. That's what he did on the cross. On the cross, Jesus abolished the law by bringing in a new order. Everybody say a new order. A new way of life. Now what is new way of life? Now remember, after Jesus came out of the grave, he now started to teach New testament preaching. You want to hear him teaching New Testament now? Now look at Jesus teaching under Greece. How his message has changed. Just keep Matthew, Matthew 6, right? Now follow this one now. Luke 24. Now look at this one now. This is where problem starts. Luke 24 from verse 26. Now let's have that on the screen. Luke 24 from verse 26. Aha. Now listen very carefully. Then said to them, Everything that has Happened fulfills what was prophesied of me. Christ the Messiah was destined to suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Next verse 27. Now you must go into all the nations and preach what? And so that they would turn to me. He says, Start writing Jerusalem. Now notice now his message has changed. Before Jesus said, God's not going to forgive your sin until you forgive the sin of others. Now Jesus says, go and preach repentance. He did not say repentance for forgiveness of sins. He said repentance and forgiveness of sins. That means repentance and forgiveness of things are now two things. Hello? Jesus moved forgiveness of sins from verb to now. Because now is now. It's not like a verb anymore. He says, "Go and preach it." He says, "Go and preach." So now, the so, why do you think that they were arresting the the the, the apostles in the New Testament because of this thing they were preaching? said, he said, "Jerusalem, hey, God has forgiven your sins. God has forgiven you all your sins." They say, "What type of message is one? Arrest these guys and lock them up." So when they locked them up, they began to downgrade and downplay this message because they don't want to be arrested again. Paul joined their camp. When Paul joined their camp, he now started to preach this same message, forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness of sins. God is not counting your sins against you. God's not holding anything against you. God's not looking at your sins anymore. He has forgiven your sins. Now repent. What's repentance? Repentance means change your mind. It's the Greek word metanoia. Change your mind. Stop thinking the old way. Think the new way. In the new way, your sins are forgiven. God is not looking at your sins to forgive you. God's not looking at your forgiveness for others to forgive you. He is already forgiven you on the cross. Now you can forgive. Others shout amen, somebody. So in the new covenant, it has changed. Everybody say it has changed for me. I told you on, on Tuesday vibes. I told you that at one of the weeks, I told you that some things were abolished on the cross, right? Some things continued after the cross, some things changed after the cross. One of them that changed is forgiveness of sins. In the old covenant, God's not going to forgive you your sin until you forgive others. Are you following? In The new it has changed. You know why? Because now, in the new, when you come to Christ, the first thing you get is forgiveness of sins. Are you seeing that? Are you seeing that? So now that my sins are forgiven, now I can distribute forgiveness to others. Now, listen very carefully. When you are harboring unforgiveness in your heart, it has nothing to do with you and God, it has to do with you. Unforgiveness will kill you. Jonathan, why? because you have chosen not to forgive that person that person is eating chicken on your head enjoying his life you were happy the person just passed, you became angry because you are still harboring what? Unforgiveness inside you that one is your own business even God is not concerned about your matter anymore because when it comes to God, all your sins are forgiven so if you keep harboring unforgiveness in your heart, it will kill you tell somebody I am letting everything go doesn't matter what has, doesn't matter who have hurt you, doesn't matter who have done anything against you. Let it go, let it go, because Christ made all your sins to go. You didn't have to do anything to end his forgiveness. Nobody needs to do anything to end your forgiveness. I am telling you, give forgiveness freely, as Christ has given you freely. Never hold forgiveness, unforgiveness in your heart, because it will destroy you, it will destroy your joy, it will destroy your peace, it will destroy your happiness. Imagine a marriage without forgiveness. Imagine a relationship without forgiveness. You know, which step up with our marriage. we would have married, say every day we are forgiving you in advance because you commit an offense. Right. Offense will always continue. Am I correct? Yes. Eh? All the married people, am I correct? Yes. There will always be offense every day did, either the man will not do something, or the wife will not do something, or the way you said it, the way you looked at that person, the way you did that one, something must happen one day, one day. Even while we can pass, something will happen one day. But we forgive and we keep moving. We forgive and we keep moving. We forgive and keep moving. That's the way of the life of the Christian. Can you shout amen? amen? Nobody should hold you to the point that you hold them. Now, let me also say this now. It doesn't mean now because you forgive somebody then the person must be your friend. It's not compulsory. Friendship is not by force. Friendship is not by force. And you can forgive them and then you can mark them. But it doesn't mean that you are harboring something. Let me let me let me explain to you how you know you have truly forgiven somebody. Let me explain. How you will know that you have truly forgiven somebody is that when you look at that person, you don't feel the pain anymore. When you look at that person, you don't feel the hurt anymore. If you still feel the hurt, you still feel the pain, then you have not truly forgiven that person. Are you following? You were happy and glad as the person just walked in. Your mood just switched. And the person is having fun with their life. Your own have changed. You are still harboring unforgiveness. Because that is what unforgiveness would do in your heart. Hallelujah. Say, Christ has forgiven me my sins. Say it again. Say, Christ has forgiven me my sins. Now, there's a popular scripture. First John chapter 1 verse 9. This is the one too that um, men don't understand. In the New, in the New Testament, let's add on the screen. First John chapter one verse nine. How many you know that scripture? I don't even know, you know the verse. First John one nine. Who knows it? You don't know it. Ha! <laughs> Which um, children' Bibles um, class people go to then? Who can quote for me? Matthew chapter five verse sixteen. Who can call it for me? Person that we knew get five thousand. naira. I now see them raising their ass now. How they hear money? Come on. Read this scripture now. One, to go. Everybody, read. Hey, come on, read live. One, two, go. Read. Uh huh. Uh huh. Go and sit down for a moment. I'll call you back. Thank you. So, now somebody say, Well, Pastor, this verse says that. God is not going to forgive us our sins until we confess our sins. So, have you, have you heard some pastors say, if you have any unconfessing in your life, confess it down before God. If not, God will not forgive you. Have you heard it before? Because they are using this scripture. Because this scripture says, if we confess our sins, then God will be faithful and just to forgive us our sins and then will clean us from all unrighteousness. Now, this same chapter this same John that wrote this verse. Now, let's see Confusion now. Chapter 2, verse 12. Look at this one now. Chapter 2, verse 12. This same chapter. John, chapter 2, verse 12. Everybody read one to go. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Read it again, one to go. Uh-huh. Now, the word little children here is talking to Christians. Now listen very carefully. When Paul talked to the Christians, he said, "Your sins are forgiven, for the name of the Lord Jesus." He did not say, "Confess your sin, then God is going to forgive you." Now, First John one nine. <laughs> let's go back. The same book, same same writer, no difference. Now, the same writer. In fact, go to chapter two, verse one, and let's read verse two. So we we'll read in We'll go back. To, we'll go back to verse nine. Because verse nine. Verse 10 11 gives the last verse. So, first John chapter 2, verse 1. Let's do chapter 2. Everybody read one to go. See the same word again, my little children. You are God's little children. Say, I'm God's little child. I am now right. Continue. Sorry, I say, read one to go. Read now. Uh huh. Uh huh. What happens? Hold on. I thought you would say. That if I sin, confess. He said, no. For the Christian, when you sin, say, remember, you have a lawyer with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. So who is the righteous one? Jesus. Next verse, verse 2. Look at verse 2 now of the same chapter. Drop down to verse 2. He says, and he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for us only, but also for the sins of who? Of Christians. Of the whole world so Jesus Christ has died for the sins of the whole world now first John chapter 1 verse 9 now let's begin to analyze this scripture very carefully and begin to decipher the mistake or the misconception about the scripture because the same writer is telling you that as a Christian you have an advocate with the father God has forgiven you all your sins God's not holding anything against you I aren't you happy about that yes now 1 John 1 9 says if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I remember I told you that there are some sins that you do that you did not even know that you did them. So how can you confess an unknowingly sin? So this is on a dangerous ground because if we are to follow it word for word like this, then that means something is wrong somewhere. Is it that John maybe made a mistake when he was writing? Then when he now go to tattoo, he now fixed the mistake. Not so sir. Not so ma. So, Everybody, are you, are you ready to know the truth now? Uh-huh, good. Now listen very carefully. Your Bible was not written in English language. How many of you know that? You know that, right? So what language is the Bible written in? Hebrew and Greek. So which part of your Bible is written in Hebrew? Talk to me now. Old Testament. Which part is written in Greek? Now this is nice Bible school now. You are in Bible school this morning. So at least know that one now. So your Old Testament was written in Hebrew, originally in Hebrew language. New Testament, originally in what? Greek. Now the word confess here is not like you are thinking. That's the problem, because Book of James. In the Book of James, James talked about if I offend my brother, he says confess to one another. Are you following? That he may be healed. He said, and the prayer of faith will save the sick person. Now, the word confess that James used in the Greek is not the same word that John used here. Now, the same word that John used here is the same word that Paul used in Romans chapter 10 verse 9 where he says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. Are you following? So now, what is this Greek word here? The word word confess here is a combination of two Greek words. Now, I'm teaching you Greek now this morning. The first one is called homo. Everybody say homo. You know what homo means? one perfect people are very smart in this church homo means one like homo sapiens, homosexual one it means same 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 right now the word now the the second word is logios homologio logios is from the root word logos what is logos the word of god aha uh-huh. now let's put it together if i put it literally it means same word of god same word of god right so the word here confess is saying if you say the same thing in agreement with god about your sin are you following because the word is homologio the word homologio here is not confess your sin it is agree with god about your sin that's the word confess homologio you can check it yourself check it yourself in the greek you see it homologio homologio means agree with god it's like when paul says if you confess the lord jesus if you agree with the Lord Jesus, that he died for your sins and was rose from the dead the salvation will come to your house now in this same verse, he's saying that if you agree with God about your sins what has God done about your sins? talk to me, he has forgiven your sins, so if I agree with God about my sin, what happens next, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, which he has already done and He has already cleansed us from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah, somebody. Amen. So in Christ, we are totally forgiven. We are completely forgiven. Can you shout amen, somebody? Amen. Confidence, come. Let me show you one last thing before we close this morning. Reuben, come. Uh, Pastor Steve, come. Now, this is um, confidence before Edom. Are you following? This is Christ. Draw the cross now. This is this is Christ here? Yeah? Now this is after the cross. Are you following? Now, how many of you know that Adam sinned against God? You know, didn't know that? Now, on the cross, what did Jesus do about Adam's sin? He forgave Adam's sin. And all those that were before the cross, all their sins are forgiven. Question then is: what about the people that are not yet born? Because Jesus is on the cross now. After he died, somebody was born the next day. Somebody was born two days after. Then now, you now. 2,000 years after. So what happened to your own sin? Is Christ forgiving your sin when you say, Father, forgive me my sin? Question. Because I told you, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. So that means, what I'm saying is that Christ needs to be dying every day. Dying every day. Which is not going to happen. But says, he died once and for all. Are you following? Now Jesus Christ is sitting, letting you know that the work is finished. So he's not doing anything new. So question then is, what happened about your sin then? Were you born? Talk to me now. Were you born? So on the cross, all your sins were what? Future things. In your mind, they are future. Are you following? But in God, they are the same. Because Christ on the cross was before Adam. His His cross moved this way now. Move this way. No. The cross extended before Adam. Move this way. And the after you. Now let me explain what this means. So on the cross all those that are future like us today even your children even your grandchildren, even your great-grandchildren, Christ's blood has paid for their sins shall they somebody this is powerful news that his blood was able to cover all the sins of the future you know so, so sometimes you know one time I used to say things like God has forgiven you of your past sins present sins and future sins then one day the Holy Spirit told me that you are diluting it I said ah, I thought that was Rema he said you are diluting it he says he says that I have forgiven you your sin that is all I said, what, what do you mean? God said, because what you are calling future is my history. So when I talk to you, I don't tell you I'm going to forgive your sin. I've forgiven it. That's what God told me. So it's not about past, present, and future. It's that what you are looking at, oh, my future is bright. My future is bright. God says, I've already seen the future. It is bright. Glory to God. So it's all future. You to you is future. But to God is history, is past things. That's why Jesus said, In the volume of the book, it was written of me, oh God, to fulfill thy will. Jesus' life was already written before he was born. Hallelujah. I said, Hallelujah. Why do you think that God, Jesus Christ was born of a virgin? Why? God wanted to show the miraculous power that it is possible to put a baby inside you. You know, you know, you know, <laughs> Jesus Christ entered me. I was born without the agency of the man. Imagine if your girlfriend told you that she's pregnant, and you know it's not you. Why are you going to take less? That's the end. There's nothing in this world she wants to explain. She can't explain that it's another Mary. It's not going to work. So, God already knows that Joseph was going to get mad. So you know what happened? An angel came to his house and said, Joseph, hey, this woman is with child of the Holy Spirit. That's the only that's the only thing that made this man to stay with her. Because God had to appear to him. Appeared to him. Because that's the only way he can be sure. <laughs> but if God didn't appear to him, it's over. Hallelujah. Because you know it's not you. I didn't touch this again. I didn't touch her. She's actually pregnant. No, 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 somebody has touched her. So it was the Holy Spirit that touched her. Glory to God. And then the Holy Spirit ensured that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. To show the miraculous power of God, Hallelujah! He used our body. He didn't use our womb. He used our body. God put His womb inside. <laughs> you know what I'm telling you? See that? See that's see that's the power of God. He put His womb inside. Just use our body. That is all. And she came out. And sorry, Jesus came out of her after a few months, eight, nine months. Glory to His name forever. right write and say, "I am f- totally forgiven." Say all my sins are washed away. Say there is no sin. That God is counting against me, holding against me. Say, all of my sins are truly and totally forgiven in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Somebody shout, Amen, like tongue down.